the Lord is not looking for those of us that say we're able, that we have these abilities or whatnot. He's just looking for humility, a humble heart he'll work through. Amen. Humble heart will work through. Humble heart he'll use in ways that we would never imagine we'd be used. I've entitled this message, A Changed Heart in Christ. And that's as we get as we get through these, these verses in, in Acts chapter 10, this is pretty much what we're going to see. This is a, a snapshot at Peter's heart that's been changed. It's it's been it's been taken from one place to 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 a place of glory with the Lord in the way that he's dealing with uh, with these Gentile uh, uh, people. Today, we, we will begin to see what happens when two people are faithful in their prayer lives. We're going to see a, 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 con, a convergence going on here. This whole uh, thing of what's happening here between Cornelius and Peter, this whole interaction. We will see how obedience in God's blessings, excuse me, how obedience to God blesses far more than just yourself. Uh Peter is going, I mean, the blessing that, that Peter is going to be used to give is going to far outreach just his own heart. He's going to see the lives around him uh, influenced and affected by his faithfulness and his, obe his obedience to the call upon his life. The two main points that I'd like to stress this morning are, the first one is, when you are true, when you truly experience God, you can't help but tell other people about him. You can't help but scream and shout from the rooftops about how this glorious God of all creation has changed your life, has taken you from a place of despair and destitute to a place of triumph and a, and a place of victory. There's just no way when your life has truly been changed, when your heart has truly been transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The truth is you and I, will want everyone to know, and we won't be ashamed to tell them about it. We won't. We won't care about all the other insignificant stuff, what they might say, their opinions. We're going to be so focused. We'll be laser focused on wanting to express and share the love of Christ because that is what's been given to us, that we're going to express it, and you won't be able to contain it. The second point is, no one is to be worshipped but God. How, the question is, or not the question, but a statement, how we deal with the praise of men reveals our hearts towards God, ourselves, and others. How we deal with that, how we, how we let the praise of others affect us, what we do with that. And uh, the last point, I said I only had two, but I have three. Obedience to Jesus Christ will have us interacting with people that we would otherwise never, never, excuse me, engage with. If you just look around this room, you probably already see that right now. We're a pretty diverse group of people. But when you uh, have had a changed heart in Jesus Christ and when you're obedient to the Lord, you are going to rub elbows and, and you are going to mix with people that you just normally wouldn't mix with because it is God's plan that 
all people come to the understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what better way for him to do that but to use his body, his church, his people. And we are the ones that are to go into the ends of the earth and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who need it. Amen. God's plan has more to do with just our own salvation. He wants to use our lives to reach others. And so with that, let's kind of unpack these verses as we go. And we'll just start with the first verse in, in Acts chapter 10, verse 24. And it says, And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. I just love how the Bible just draws so much out of so little. That one statement, there's just so much there. There is really so much there. First of all, we see that Cornelius was truly a man who had faith in God and he exercised it. And this is this is not a Jew. This is a Gentile. Um, these the the this idea was unheard of back then because the Jews were the ones who were to bring the word of God to the whole world. But Cornelius was a true man of faith who exercised his faith in God. He was directed by the Lord to send for a man that he didn't know. Remember, the, the angel of the Lord had spoken to him and told him to send his servants to Joppa to, to find Peter. All he knew about this man was that Peter was a Jew who would under no circumstances have any dealings with him. This is interesting because if, if you're telling me to send for someone who doesn't even like the ethnicity or the culture I am, doesn't like the race I am, my natural instinct is going to be like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm, why am I going to send for someone who I already know hates me? That's like, that's like the Lord telling somebody who's of any other minority than white, go, go, um, go send for that person who's the head of the KKK. It's like, really? But it, it, nonetheless, this is what the Lord had laid on Cornelius's heart to do. Cornelius must have not understood why. But yet he still obeyed. And how many times in our own lives does the Lord ask us or tells us, command us to do something? We're in a circumstance we don't necessarily understand. We don't know why he's telling us to do this, but yet he's calling us to obey. How many of you have experienced that? You don't understand the whole scope of what's going on, but the Lord has given you a clear direction of what to do. You're called to obey, right? We're called to obey. Our, our, our friend Cornelius is in the same situation here. So what is the application? The application is, again, many times we will not understand fully the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Still, we are to obey. You may be in a situation this morning where you don't necessarily understand all the circumstances surrounding what's going on within your life. Obey. Trust the Lord. Seek His will. Stay the course. You know, the fact that you're here. Maybe you're here and you don't even understand why you're here. Just you felt drawn to come. You felt drawn to be here. There's just something that was just nagging you to be here. A lot of times we're like, I'm too, I'm not good enough to go to church. I'm not good enough. I, I can't, I can't be saved. I can't be used of the Lord. Well, if you look at all the people, the men and the women that are in the Bible, you'll clearly see that He's not using those who think they're are pretty good. 
You don't want to be like that Pharisee who says, oh, I'm, I, I'm just so glad I'm not like that publican over there who's a sinner. It's so interesting. Uh, in, 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 in that account, um, I read a commentary and it, it, it said that the Pharisee wasn't even praying to God. <laughs> he was talking to himself, right? And, and we don't, you know, God doesn't use people like that. He uses those who, 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 who are meek and who are humble. I love this next point in, in this verse right here. It says that Cornelius called together his relatives and close friends. This is amazing because Cornelius didn't hoard the blessing for himself. He did not keep it for himself. He found it important to share this experience with others, with the closest ones around him. He was sharing through his actions that he had a heart for other people and not merely for himself. For the simple fact of what the scripture says, the scripture says clearly that Cornelius was expecting them and he had called together his relatives and close friends. You only call people together to join in on something if you find it important, if you find it to be a benefit to other people. When you have a Super Bowl party, you don't have a Super Bowl party and you don't invite anybody unless you're a straight loner and you don't like people. You have all this food, you have all this decadent stuff, but yet nobody is in the living room with you. No one's watching the 55 inch TV, watching the 49ers smash on uh, either the Titans or the Chiefs. <laughs> you're going to have people around you because you're finding it important. You want to host a nice party. You want it to be social. You want people to have a good time. So you're going to invite people. Well, in a spiritual sense, this is exactly what Cornelius was doing. He found it important that his close relatives and friends came, and so he invited them. This is so important because when we are truly moved by the power of God, we will want to share our experience with others, especially those close to us. This is the whole idea of your testimony, the power and the weight of your testimony, right? You know, we don't want to get it convoluted and twisted where sometimes people share their testimonies and you're hearing more about all the bad stuff they did than really what Jesus did, or you're, you're, you're finding out more about them than Christ. Obviously, the main point is to share that, yes, you were in this one place, and then, yes, I'm in a new place now, and it's Jesus who's at the center of it, who's, who's girding everything and who's helping me through. But this is the idea here, the fact that when you are truly moved, you're going to share this experience and you're going to tell people about who Jesus is. How can we muzzle the ox and keep our mouth shut when we have the answer to man's greatest problem? You see, no matter what is going on in the world, the cure is Christ. There are many symptoms. There are many symptoms. But in the heart of, at the heart of it, it's a lack of having Jesus. It's a lack of having a relationship with the true and living God. It's the, it's the lack of understanding that we need to submit, that we need to acknowledge that we're sinners and we need the cure, which is the blood of Christ. Social, political, economical, emotional, uh, you know, all these different problems that are in the world, but the root cause is sin. And once we can determine that, then we, we can make room and we can make headway to resolve the, the problem and get the cure that, that the world desperately needs. 
Let's move on to verses 25 and 26. And it says, When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. Cornelius here, in regards to just his heart for the Lord, he did have the right heart, but completely the wrong idea about worship. And you can't really hold it against Cornelius because as a Gentile at this time, how could he know any different? He was coming across the man that the Lord called him to, to, to seek after, to send out, to come to his home. The, you know, Peter obliged, so he accepted the invitation. So naturally, Cornelius wanted to honor Peter, but it was in the wrong way. He saw that Peter was a godly man, a messenger for the Most High, and he decided to bow down to him. The funny thing is, this happens all the time in our culture. You guys know. You guys know. This happens all the time. Examples. We make idols out of music recording artists, out of athletes, out of movie stars, even within the church. We make idols out of pastors, uh, you know, a lot of, lot, of, lot, of, lot of crazy stuff like that. No one should be worshipped or praised other than Jesus Christ, God Almighty. That's it. It's the only one who ever deserves your praise. No one else is worthy. People may be used in a manner that the Lord is working through them, but still the instrument should never be praised. It is the one who created the instrument. It is the one who conducted the instrument that should be praised. Whenever, whenever scripture excuse me, speaks of worship offered to men or angels, it's refused. Revelation chapter 19 verse 10 tells us, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. If you guys have read that chapter, you know what that's speaking of. John <clears throat> and the angel. And the angel basically, you know, lightweight rebuking him, just saying, that don't worship me. I'm a created creature just like you. You worship the true and living God. Jesus Christ, again, is the only one who should receive this worship freely. Philippians chapter 2 Verses 10 and 11 tells us this. It says, So that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I love that the, the scriptures are so crystal clear that, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's evident. That is where the honor, that is where the glory belongs that is where the praise belongs is 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 with Jesus Christ this again this this these verses again prove that Jesus is far greater than his creation and that he deserves all honor and glory an example of what not to do and an example in our current day of idol worship and how it goes on within the church St. Peter's Cathedral. You, how many of you are familiar with that? St. Peter's Cathedral, excuse me, in Rome. 
There's a gigantic statue of Peter and people will come in, the parishioners and, and, and whatnot. They'll come in and they'll actually kiss the feet of the statue. And in doing so, they think that they are honoring God by this righteous act when the truth is, again, it's idol worship and the Lord hates it. He, he does not like it. He, he, there, he, we don't have to make statues of men and women and, and boast of them. Uh, again, if you're saved, if you, if you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's no other way that you can be right with God the Father. Do you know what, what does the Bible call you? You're a saint. <laughs> you're a saint just like St. Peter just like uh, you know, all the other saints, who who's who's the lady who did so much? Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa. Okay. Well, I don't know if they call her Saint Mother Teresa, but either way, I mean, you're a saint, just like them. There is no, uh, there's no despair. There's no, there's no difference between the two, right? God is not partial. He doesn't, he doesn't favor one and, and, and not favor the other. He, we, we all hold the same value in his eyes. And that's why he gave his son, Jesus Christ. And so to, to, to erect statues in honor uh, of people, and that's one thing. But it, even in that, that's just sketchy because it, it, it presents the wrong idea to, to people who may not know God at all or may be seeking God. They may be confused. They're like, well, okay, you say love only God, but yet you guys got all these statues of all these people, and, and, and I'm seeing people kissing the feet of, of these statues. It just doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't feel right. What am I doing? You know, and, you know, we do all, a lot of stuff. Wear a cross, kissing crosses, this and that. I'm not trying to step on nobody's toes. It just is what it is. Kissing a cross ain't going to make the Lord hear you no more if you never wear a cross. It's about your heart. You know, where is your heart truly? Where is your heart truly with the Lord? How are you seeking him in thought, action, and deed? You see what I'm saying? It's not about a trinket. It's not about jewelry. It's not about a statue. And, and this, is, this is what the Lord was trying to get across. This is what, through Peter, don't bow down to me, dude. <laughs> I'm not God. I'm just a man. I'm a mortal man like you. But here in verse 26, again, we'll see Peter's response, what I just shared. And honestly, his response, Peter's response to Cornelius bowing at his feet is extremely critical. Instead of accepting praise, he deferred to God. This choice, it conveys Peter's heart. He would rather give glory and praise to God than to man. Peter in this moment is truly conveying Jesus's heart. He refused to be treated like a God, but get this, he also refused to treat Cornelius. were treated like were treated like dogs, not even a whole human being. And and that's in the same boat as women in those days. They were treated as less than a dog, but Peter did not treat him like that. He didn't accept the praise. He deferred it to God, the Father, or to Jesus as well. But he also didn't, you know, keep Cornelius down. He accepted equal share and, and, and value in Cornelius's life. And that's a big deal. You know, you, you look at our society today, even with all the different things that, that we don't agree with within the church, with all the different movements and stuff, we still need to 
value these people as their lives, as, as who they are as people, as who they are as God has created them to be, right? We, 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 don't, we don't hate them. We desire that they come to repentance and know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but we don't bash on them. We don't look at them as we're any better. There's a, there's a, there's a very dangerous place to be if you're a Christian and if you think that you're better than someone else who doesn't know the Lord. That's not Jesus's heart at all. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 states, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You see, Peter had the correct view of God, which led to the correct, proper view of himself and others. Did you get that? Because Peter had the correct view of God, he had a proper view of himself and others. The application is, unless we too develop a correct view of who God is, we will fail to see ourselves and others as we truly are. Verses 27 and 29, and it says, And as he talked to him, speaking of Peter to Cornelius, he went in and found many persons gathered, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. Pretty much, we've already covered this, but again, there's a reason why the Bible repeats itself. I believe the Lord has inspired this story to be written out the way it is because there's there's much there's much heart, there's much information here, there's much understanding and value of this whole idea of the value of people, the value of it doesn't matter your ethnicity, your creed, your sex, everybody is created equal in the sight of God Almighty. Everyone is created in the moral image, the moral character of God the Father and of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. His desire is that every person come to understand that, come to repentance, and then it'll be revealed that it's okay. We can celebrate our differences. How how awkward and weird and not cool would it be if everybody was the same height, the same weight, the same shade, the same length of hair, the same eye color. I mean, you know, there's no diversity. I, be I truly believe the diversity in the world of culture and creeds of people and races is just a glimpse and a snapshot of how just grand God is. This is how great <laughs> this God is, that he could create, you know, on command, just an array an array of different color of people and backgrounds and whatnot. But I mean, we all bleed red blood. There's there's so many common factors in humanity that, you know, it's not it, it, it's it's just kind of mind boggling that that we get stuck on the differences instead of celebrating them. Now, I'm not getting into that whole other thing because I don't mean celebrate in the way of today how, um, you know, Everything is relative and you can do whatever you want. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying under 
the son of God's creation, how he created men and women to be uh, different in the sense of your race, your color, all that. This shows Peter's true understanding of the vision. Remember, the vision of the sheet coming down, of, of the kosher and unkosher animals, clean and unclean. Remember, God said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He was stumped. He didn't understand what that vision meant, but it is all coming to fruition now. It is all coming to, to the forefront of his mind. He's understanding, he's seeing in real time through these Gentiles what this vision actually meant. It also confirmed that his heart was being conformed to be more like Jesus. The example, remember Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Remember the woman at the well. I mean, picture this. Our Lord and Savior, who was a full-blooded Jew, he, it was in the daytime. <laughs> he was at this well speaking to an adulterous woman who was a half-breed. She wasn't even a full-blooded Jew. I don't know how many husbands she had. She had about five husbands. The, the, the man she was with now, she wasn't married with. And yet Jesus was at this well in the, in the daytime speaking to her. If you know anything about Jewish culture, men, even Jewish men with Jewish women were never supposed to speak, speak with women in public and during in the daytime. And so Jesus is here out on the limb speaking to this woman who's not even a full-blooded Jew, who's an adulterer. But we see this is the same pattern that the Lord had set up for, for, for Peter. Peter is interacting with Cornelius. He's interacting with this whole household of, of Gentiles. And yet in the culture, this is, this is a big no-no. You don't do this as a Jew. You don't do this as a Jew representing God. But yet we see Peter following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. In Peter's vision, he was told to rise and kill, like I said before, but there was no difference between kosher and non-kosher animals. This was relevant because remember what Jesus spoke of in Mark chapter 7, verses 18 through 23, and I will read them for the sake of context. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. Verse 20, and he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes, every, uh, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. I mean, this is what the Lord was getting at. Peter, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're eating kosher or non-kosher animals. Do you understand that those things don't defile you? I mean, I'll be real with you. I've been I've been having some bouts with some some I don't know with some physical stuff, and I, I told my wife, man, this week I think I ate McDonald's like three times. Had Taco Bell last night. I don't even eat that stuff, and I'm like, this stuff is making me sick. I mean, I'm talking about sick to where I probably shouldn't even be here, but I'm here. I'm not contagious. I'm just saying it's just not it's not been pretty. I don't need to get into it. And then my coworker knows because I didn't go to work on Friday. <laughs> it was that bad. But it's like, 
nasty McDonald's is not defiling me. It's what's coming out of my heart that's defiling me. And I'm not saying have horrible eating habits, but you can put all kind of stuff in you and that's not defiling you. It's the wickedness from within. And that wickedness from within has to be corrected, has to be cured, has to be dealt with at the root, right? You remember David and Goliath, you know, slingshot, head with the stone, didn't mess around. After that, he cut the head off at the root, right? The sin in our heart has to be dealt with, has to be cut at the root in order for this defilement to be done with. And, and this is what the Lord is speaking of. The text goes on to say that Peter came without objection. Now, this is another extremely important point because it shows the value of having a relationship with Jesus Christ and hearing from him, hearing from him. If Peter would have never had the vision God gave, he would have never gone to meet Cornelius. The application for us today is, if you and I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then we won't hear from him, which means we won't have any spiritual compass to navigate through this life. How many times have we been in a situation and we're stressed out and we're wigging out and we don't know what to do, but then it's like, have we stopped to pray? Have we stopped to seek the Lord and ask his wisdom? Have we, have, have we, have we spent time? It's like the next time you and I find ourselves in a situation where we're stressed out and we don't know what to do, we need to ask ourselves what time have I been carving out for the Lord in my life? How is my relationship with the Lord going, right? Because if you have a good, healthy relationship with the Lord, yes, unfortunate circumstances are going to come across your plate quite often, probably. But because your relationship is solid and stable, you're not going to be so wigged out as to, I don't hear from the Lord. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. You're going to have a good enough grasp of what the Lord has been doing within you all this time that you're going to be able to reach out. And he may not respond to you in the time that you want him to, but you're going to get something. You're going to get something from the word. You're going to, to, to hear something in prayer. He's going to speak to you. But this is because you have a relationship. If you don't have a relationship, you can't expect to hear from God. And many times we want stuff. We want God to do things for us, but we don't want to have a relationship with him. It's like it's like an unhealthy marriage or an unhealthy relationship. We want the we want from the other party, but yet we don't have relation. We don't have a bond. We don't have constant communication. We don't have that closeness. If you don't have that, you can't expect the, the benefits of that closeness, right? That's just, it, it's not rocket science. It's very simple. It's very simple. Last few verses as we move on. Verses 30 through 33. And Cornelius said, Four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He has lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. This is another point that just shows Cornelius truly was seeking after the Lord. He was 
a man of prayer. In some translations, it says that he was fasting in the ninth hour. And if we know anything about fasting, this is an intense exercise in prayer, in seeking the Lord. When there is something that is very pressing upon your heart, something that you just you just want to draw closer to the Lord uh, in a more, you know, intimate way fasting can be used and not necessarily not at all not necessarily not at all for oh well i want my <laughs> i want my physique to look better i want i want to shed some weight so i'm fasting i'm not talking about that it, it it's it's a it's a spiritual fast it's a fast of seeking the lord and his glory and his honor for what he's going to reveal to you and help you understand more about your not even your circumstance but him and how he's going to work through your circumstance this is what was going on with Cornelius when he got this vision. He was diligently seeking after God and the Lord would reveal himself through Peter. The application for us this morning is simply, if we want to have a deeper, better quality relationship with God, we need to be intentional and we need to be intentional about our prayer and how we pray. And this can work all kind of different ways for all kind of different people. I'm not saying that it's, it's not formulaic. So it's not you go to your room and every day you pray for an hour. And because you've prayed for an hour, you set aside that hour time that all of a sudden, like a genie, God is just going to grant everything to you. It's not that. But the Bible is clear about praying without ceasing. Maybe there's times where you can't get in your prayer closet. But the thing is, if prayer is communication with God, you can be communicating all the time. You can be hearing from him all the time play it <laughs> you got that little air guitar but you know that's the reality again relationship relationship with the lord you think of anybody who's here who's married you think of anybody who's here who has a child you think of anybody who's here who has a best friend relationship is key Closeness is key. Communication is key. And, and, and this is the thing. The Lord revealed himself to Cornelius. Obviously, we know because the Lord had a plan. But also in that, the Lord knew that Cornelius was seeking him. And, the, and Cornelius was keeping the lines of communication open to the Lord. How many times do we, we just close our ears to what God has to say? Because we don't want to hear it or because it doesn't fit our agenda or because it doesn't come across the way we would want it to. That's what happens a lot of the times. But the Lord is still speaking. But are we willing to listen? Are we willing to hear what he has to say? If you and I never are intentional about spending time with those we claim to have relationships with, Honestly, how are those relationships going to thrive? How are they going to thrive? I'm, I stand up here. I'm guilty of that. And, and I know that, you know, the Lord is working in my heart on that. And there's, there's many areas where it needs to get better. But I can, I can share this because, and, and see these in these verses clearly because I see it in my own life. And it's like, if you neglect your relationships, that's what they're going to be. They're going to be ne neglected. It's what you put into it. You're and I'm not saying this, saying that your relationship with the Lord is based on what you do. But to an extent, you have to be willing to 
meet with the Lord. You have to be, you can't, you can't just live however you want to live and say, I, I, I don't understand why I don't see the power of God in my life. But yet your lifestyle is exactly the same than when, before you got converted. You, you understand that there's got to be a level of your willingness to, 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 to be changed, your willingness to, to submit to his will and to do the things that he's calling you to do. And it's not, it's not, it's not stuff that that's bad for you. A relationship with the Lord is a good thing. Spending time in God's word is a good thing. You know, spending time with God's people is a good thing. You think of all the other things that we could be doing with our time. And how many times do we do activities and we do things and we buy stuff and it's only good for a moment. And then we say, what a waste. I wasted the day. I wasted the weekend. I, what a waste of a year. What a waste of all that money. With the war, With the Lord, it's never like that. All those in attendance at Cornelius's house were attentive. That's what the word says. And they were ready to hear from God's servant, Peter. The application for this is our blessing is greatly increased when we prepare ourselves to hear the word of God. I have a question, quick question before we wrap it up. When you attend a church service, do you want to receive a good message? Of course. Well, the best way to receive a good message is to come with a prepared heart. Like the preacher, when the listeners come prepared, tremendous things happen. Do you know that you are supposed to come with the heart of thanksgiving? Do you know you're supposed to come ready to hear the word. And I get it because many things happen throughout the week. Many things happen throughout the time you get up in the morning on a Sunday to get to service. But even with all the craziness of life, I was reminded this morning by Michelle in prayer. It's like we sometimes think life is just supposed to just be this glorious thing where, you know, oh yeah, just all these good things happen all the time. And we say, well, I don't know why I'm just, man, I'm just in a season where it's just tough and, you know, people are sick or people are dying and this and that's happening. And it's, that's life. <laughs> that's life. And, and that's just all the more reason to, to come to know Jesus, to accept him as your savior, to have him walk with you through the ups and downs of life, because then you can, you can stand with the cheerful heart, despite what you're going through, because you know, it's the strength of the Lord that's getting you through. Amen. As the worship team comes up and we have a time of uh, for communion and a time just to, to worship the Lord in song and praise, just want to uh, just let the, the word stew and, 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 and just sift your heart, sift my heart and just allow the Holy Spirit to, to do the work that only he can do to just show us where we're at, where he'd like to take us. And there are many, there are many good things going on within um, this, this, this body. Uh, a lot of praise reports, a lot of just, you know, people coming to, 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 to prayer groups that, you know, out of, you know, kind of out of nowhere and, and people being interested in seeking the Lord. And so um, the Lord is doing a great work here within this body of resilient life. So um, let's go ahead and go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you again for, for you. Thank you for your faithfulness to yourself. Thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, and 
just this message in particular about um, there is no partiality. Father, you, your desire is that none perish, but that all come to repentance and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so we just thank you for this account in the Bible of how uh, you sent your servant Peter to Cornelius, to the most unlikely person, to the most unlikely group of people, and how out of that, we even sit here today as Gentiles, and we're able to receive the Word of God. We're able to receive the salvation that's offered to all people, Lord. And it's because you, your faithfulness to yourself, your, your the faithfulness that you've allowed your servants to, to shine through to others, and the fact that people would accept the call upon their lives to do what you've called them to do. And this morning, we know that there's many things that you've called us to do. I pray, Father, you'd speak to every heart, Lord, that you would make it crystal clear about what you would have for them to do, Lord, today. And that we would not renege on on promises we've made to you, that we would be faithful to you, that we would be honest, that we'd be sincere. Maybe we're in a place where we just don't have the strength. I know I don't have the strength. I need you, Father. I need you to do a work that only you can do within my life, within my heart, Lord, to, to make me faithful to you, to make me be a true servant of God. And so we just want to be at your feet at this time. We pray for for the communion as we take it, Lord, that we would consider what has been done for us. May we never forget. May we always consider Jesus. May Jesus Christ be the filter that we see life through. And so may we honor you. May we allow you to come into our hearts and do the work that you need to do. If it's conviction, may you convict our hearts. If it's encouragement, please encourage us. But Father, our strength and our hope comes from you and you alone. We acknowledge that and we lay all these requests at your feet. It's in Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.